welcome to episode 10 of Achieving Fitness, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be covering our assessment protocol for new members, what training split we recommend if you can dedicate three days a week to the gym, and how we recommend going about finding a mentor. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. Episode 10. Big milestone. What a milestone. We'd like to thank all of our fans, (laughs) family. (laughs) It's Uh, been fun. Yeah, it's been good. Um, So last time I was a little bit sick and unfortunately I passed it on to Lauren. So now we're both a little bit under the weather, but still. But again, the show must go on. Um, all right, you want to go first question? All right, let's go right into the first question. It is from Kim T on Instagram. She said, hi, Chief Fitness. I have a question for your podcast. What assessments do you perform on a client before working with them, such as overhead squat assessment, hinge test, or shoulder mobility test? There are so many to choose from. Which ones are the most beneficial in assessing a client? So this is a fantastic question. Awesome question. Um, what I would say, or what we would say is that Initially, when we first opened up Achieve, um, and even before that, we really went pretty deep into the assessment process, right? Yeah. We, we had like a battery of like 10 to 15 different assessments that we um, took everyone through. Um, and we thought it was, we, we, I think we, it was more just feeding our ego, right? It was more like... <laughs> it was like showing how much we knew almost. Right. A little bit, right? And I think as we kind of have refined our process of getting people in through the doors and getting them comfortable with Achieve, um, what we realized was that it's less about that upfront assessment process and more about actually getting to know the person, building rapport, and letting them know that they are, um, that they're fully capable of actually starting a fitness journey. What ended up happening was that we were so nitpicky with all these different assessments and it got to a point where I think people felt a little bit like bad. They're like, yeah. oh, my shoulder internal rotation isn't that great. Oh, my <laughs> hip external rotation isn't that great. And then you start to doubt yourself. And um, I think we sort of scaled back a lot of those assessments and kind of picked our five or six key big ones. Yeah. So we, yeah, we were finding that basically the whole time, that first session that you're spending with someone, the first like... 10 minutes of it, we were just telling people everything that was wrong with them. (laughs) That felt so terrible. And not because we were trying to be mean and we weren't even trying to use it as like a sales strategy or anything. We just thought it was the right thing to do. Everybody says like do assessments and, but what ended up happening was we, yeah, like Jason said, we just feel like it went a little bit too far into too much detail for that first session anyway. Um, and it didn't give us, we didn't actually get the opportunity to just make that person feel really comfortable first. So now we start our assessment process with nothing to do with anything physical. At first we do a probably about a 25 to 30 minute sit down with the person Mm -hmm. and ask them about their goals, their lifestyle habits, their, what they're like looking to accomplish, what they currently do for work, kind of just getting to know them questions. We we used to call it an eval or an assessment and now we call it a strategy session. And what we would say is that it's less about what actual assessments you choose, but more about the whole process after the initial assessment. Um, I think people view the initial assessment as their only opportunity to screen or evaluate someone. But you have literally every single workout that you have with that person 
should be an assessment on its own. You're constantly evaluating how their squat depth is looking and how their uh, push-up depth is looking. And you just kind of go through this assessment over and over again. And it's just a constant ongoing thing, right? right? Yeah. So what we've narrowed it down to at this point, and mm-hmm. we used to, like Jason said, we used to do like 15 different <laughs> tests. So we combined a bunch of different um, you know, screens. But now what we do is we... We have a baseline kind of five that we do, so it's some sort of squat, and we'll actually adjust what type of squat we assess based on that person. So somebody comes in, and we just talked to them about how they've never worked out in a gym before. They have, they're very sedentary. They're nervous about the gym. We're not going to have them do an overhead squat because they're probably not going to feel successful doing that. <laughs> yeah. So we're just going to look at a regular body weight squat. We're going to ask them to just put their hands out in front of them and push their, you know, or just kind of sit into a squat and, let, and let's just see what happens from there. Mm-hmm. Um, if they come in and they're like, oh, I'm, I've Olympic lifted in the past and I've, I want to work on Olympic lifting and all this kind of stuff, then of course we're going to look at their overhead squat because that's going to affect their training. Right. So we modify, we look at some form of squat pattern, some form of hinge pattern, some form of push-up pattern push-up pattern yeah and if they if we're pretty sure that they won't be able to do a push-up successfully we'll just go into a front plank because all we're looking at is just general core stability right um and then we'll go into some sort of mobility testing whether it's an active straight leg raise um from the functional movement screen which is just laying on your back and raising one leg up as high as they can um that gives us a pretty good indication of whether or not um they have the mobility required to do some sort of deadlifting hinging motion and allows us to see from one side to the other if they have any major asymmetries yes. as well. Yep. And then the last one is a shoulder mobility screen uh, from the FMS or just looking at their overhead mobility in general. Um, so just having them lay down on their backs and raising their arms overhead. Um, just, just gives us a general overall picture of where they're at and also most importantly identifies if there's pain with any of those movements because we obviously don't want to load them up or program anything that would cause pain um, down the line. Yeah. And so then if we, so say we guess wrong and somebody who said they're super sedentary comes in and nails a squat, then we may say like, okay, now show us a squat with your arms overhead. Right. So we actually like progress the, the assessment even in the moment. So I think what we have come to realize is that it's more about making that person feel successful in what you're going to have them do. And it's about you, it's almost like your time to make decisions on where they need to start with your program because your program is really what's going to dictate their success and, and their ability to overcome maybe some of these um, limitations that, they, that might show up in something like an assessment. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, if we were working with like an athletic um, like an athlete clientele, maybe we'd have to do like a shuttle test and like very specific tests that they would actually have to go through in as part of their um, like professional process, I guess. But because we're working with general population, all we need to do is make them feel successful so that they continue on on a fitness journey. So that's our number one priority. And that's where we think that most of the industry should kind of fluctuate towards. Yeah. So it's important to understand an assessment process. I still think it's important to go learn the FMS and go Mm -hmm. learn some different screens and have an understanding of what you're looking at. When you look at, when you see someone squat, what are you looking for that could be dysfunctional, quote unquote dysfunctional? So Mm -hmm. if somebody's knees collapse in or somebody can't go below parallel or different things like that, they're just notes to take into consideration when you're putting their program together. So the reason that an assessment process is important is because it does help you to decide where to start. 
with someone's program. Um, so definitely learn some different screening processes. I know Eric Cressy has like Assess and Correct, which has like a thousand different screens. So you mm-hmm. can choose some from there and you'll figure out but based on your population, yeah. which ones would be the most applicable for you. But keep in mind that if you're working with the general population like we are, the most important thing is to just get somebody comfortable in the gym. And sometimes that's letting go of some of that trainer, trainer speak and those big <laughs> words about, you know, shoulder impingement and all that. They don't need to hear about that stuff. They just need to hear that you're going to, they're in good hands. You're going to take care of them and you're going to help them be successful. Exactly. Cool. All right. Let's move on to question number two. This one is also from Instagram. Uh, the handle is Stefan Gergel? <laughs> I'm so bad at pronouncing these things. I hope I'm not butchering that. But um, <laughs> Stefan. So he asked, what split do you, what split to do when you want to build muscle and strength, but you're in school and work? So basically, you don't have much time. I can go approximately three times a week to the gym. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, three times a week to the gym is phenomenal <laughs> as long as you're consistent. So this, this applies across the board, whether or not it's, you know, you travel a lot or you work a lot. Um, three times a week is perfect. Um, our average probably I'd achieve is like two, two and a half. Yeah. And people get phenomenal results from that as well. So um, I think three times a week is a pretty good sweet spot. Um, three times a week, what we recommend in most cases is a total body approach, right? So... Um, Probably most likely we'll have someone squat, do some sort of main squatting variation one day, do some sort of deadlifting variation the next day, and maybe do some sort of like either upper body pushing like a bench press or a pull up as their main movement the following day and just rotate through those three. Yeah. So those will be the main lifts, but then the rest of the work in the, in the workout will be total body movement. So basically to explain what he means actually by a split is Mm. a lot of times people recommend an upper lower split, meaning, and it's usually if you work out four days a week. So Mm -hmm. usually it's, you do upper body on Monday, lower body on Tuesday, upper body on Thursday, lower body on Friday, something like that. Or you might even be thinking of a bodybuilding split where it's like back and buys one day and chest and tries the other day. So, so those are the different versions of what a split, what a split might would be. be. Yeah. Um, whereas, but those are both ma- like really just for people who are very consistently getting to the gym four to five days a week. Right. Um, and that's unrealistic for most people because mm-hmm. most people have, like this guy said, like school and work and life <laughs> and kids and all this stuff. So we recommend usually starting out with trying to just go two to three times a week and getting, hitting all the muscle groups in one day. Yeah. So every time you come in, and obviously you would re- it would be great if you could split it up so it's not three days in a row, because by day three, everything's going to be tired, yeah. so you won't really be as effective. But basically, if you can go like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, on Monday, you might choose your main lift to be a squat, like Jason said, and then everything after that might be some sort of rowing variation, some sort of push-up, some sort of lunge, and a, a core exercise. That mm-hmm. might be day one. Then day two, your main lift is a deadlift. And then your accessory work might be an overhead press, a single leg squat, you know. And like a hamstring curl (laughs) and another core variation. So I'm just throwing things out there right now. (laughs) Just kind of, but kind of giving you an idea that you're still working to include all different muscle groups in that one program, in that one day, but your main lift will be different each day. Yeah. So as opposed to body part splits, we're always looking at breaking down the human body in terms of movement patterns. So Lauren was just mentioning a lunging pattern, a pressing pattern from both a vertical and a horizontal standpoint, Um, also pulling from a horizontal and vertical standpoint. So a pull up and then a a three-point row, let's say. 
Um, also attacking um, the legs from a more of a quad dominant standpoint, like a squat or a lunge, and also more of a hip dominant standpoint, like a hamstring curl or hip thrust. So we're just looking at targeting all these sort of different patterns and making sure that we stay um, in a more balanced uh, position uh, as possible. So yeah, so we recommend if you can go in three times a week, total body workouts, try to get a, a variety of different types of movements in each workout and make sure you give your muscles enough time to recover in between each one. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay, so number three is going to be actually a conversation that we were just having with someone on Instagram that we thought would be a really great topic for the podcast. So he actually asked a couple questions. He said, you guys seem to put a lot of a lot into helping your trainers grow, which I love, by the way, and the setting I'm in now does not do the same. How can I find a fitness business that does the same? Uh, a lot of the gyms I've interviewed at seem to have a one-track mind and only focus on sales. So that was part one. Part two is where can I find a mentor? So that was the second half of the question. So let's start with part one, mm -hmm. which was how can you find a, a fitness business that puts effort into helping their trainers grow? Um, yeah, so I'd say, I, I mean, the status quo for fitness businesses and gyms today, unfortunately, all revolve around sales and your membership director or fitness director will push each and every coach to hit these certain numbers. Um, regardless of the situation. And it becomes a very um, competitive and toxic environment to work in because, you know, most coaches are in the field because they want to help people not to try to be a salesperson. Right. Right. So, but unfortunately, um, they treat it purely as a business and this becomes the focus. Um, and, and a lot of times it drives away their employees. Especially their best ones because they're the ones who want to go out and help more people, not yeah. sell. Um, and unfortunately, the gyms that get it and don't chase numbers, but actually help their employees grow and want their members to succeed. And it's less about the numbers kind of thing. Are They're few and far between, yeah. right? But what we told him was that it's, it's not going to be a very productive situation just dwelling about what situation you're currently in, but more focusing on what he can do to put himself in a better position. So unfortunately, he is in one of those environments and he's going to have to deal with that right now. And what I told him was that he just needs to really just hustle for himself and try to get as many clients under his belt as possible and also attend as many continuing continuing education events and workshops as possible to separate himself from the other trainers. Um, that's going to eventually net him more clients. And also it's going to help put him in a position to network with other people who could eventually get him opportunities at other places and other fitness facilities that do get it and do understand that it's less about chasing numbers and more about serving the overall client experience as well as um, serving their employees. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. I mean, it's definitely easy to get bogged down in the day to day and like yeah. get frustrated with what's going on with the business um, that you're working for. But if you can put your focus and your efforts into what you're doing to help people and because that is what you're passionate about um, and then eventually put yourself into a position, which would kind of go into the, in the next question, put yourself into a position where you meet people who are doing it the right way. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the second part I talked to him about was um, the same advice goes for finding a mentor. I would start DMing as many people that you respect on social media and just let, let them know that you appreciate their work. Um, you can eventually slowly cultivate a relationship over time. 
and then maybe ask to have their mentorship later down the line. And this is like a six month to year to two year process. Um, you have to take time to actually build that relationship. Yeah, and actually, we were we were actually just talking in the car about how we sort of went about finding our own mentors and. Um, what we realized is that we were thinking, we're like, okay, who are our, who are our greatest mentors? Mm-hmm. And there were um, Joe Sanzalone mm-hmm. at Optimal Performance Training in, in Baltimore. It was Mike Boyle. It was Eric Cressy. And we hired all of them. Yeah. Um, that was our first move, I guess, if you want to call it like a move. It was yeah. our first step was actually hiring them. So Joe, we hired to coach us for the RKC, for our mm-hmm. first kettlebell certification. And then once we got out there to the RKC, he was actually there. He yep. was assisting at the time. Um, we offered to take him out. We asked if he would go out to dinner with us, and we paid for dinner um, because we wanted to show him that you know we valued, first of all, we valued his coaching, and that's why we paid him for his coaching, but we also valued his time in spending an hour at dinner with us kind of kind of teaching us his ways. And so we wanted yeah. to make sure that we paid for that dinner and showed him that we really just valued his time. Yeah. And I think it really separated us from other people um, who would also kind of want to seek mentorship as well. Right. right? And we were, I don't know, what, 23, 24? We were 22 at the time. Yeah, yeah. With minimal income and we were spending money on a nice steak dinner. Right. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it, it, it's people aren't just going to offer up mentorship unless you actually put in the time to cultivate a relationship and really show and demonstrate that you respect their time and um and their energy yeah yeah so i would say it's a combination of you know just showing your appreciation for them and reaching out to as many people as possible Mm -hmm. um but also putting in the the time and the and the resources to that person if you really think that they're somebody that you want to learn from um don't expect to to get that knowledge for free. They're, they spent probably the reason you want them to be a mentor is because they probably spent the last 15, 20 years learning and honing and, and you know, yeah. spending money on, on their education. So for you to want that for free, you know, <laughs> you know, it's a little, it, it, it's misguided. And we don't, I think everybody talks about finding a mentor and that mm-hmm. that's an important thing to do, which it is, but it's not as easy as just going out and saying, like, hey, will you be my mentor? Yeah. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, finding the right person to mentor you will just give you a quantum leap in terms of your development and growth um, and we'll just pay dividends down the road. So whatever you can to find these people and make them feel um, respected would, uh, would be, would be huge. Yeah. All right. That would be our advice for today. Yeah. That wraps up episode 10. (laughs) Very exciting. Now we're going to go eat some Greek food with our friends, Ned and Amelia. (laughs) Um, So yeah, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, And if you could send us any pod questions, Wow. Podcast pod questions. questions. I like pod questions. Pod questions that you have um, through DM, Instagram, uh, Achieve Fitness Boston, or you can email us at podcast at AchieveFitnessBoston.com. That would be excellent. Alrighty. So until next time. Peace. Love. And muscles. muscles.